Looking for clarity and confidence when it comes to decision-making for your business? You've come to the right place. You're now listening to the Atomic Business Coaching Podcast. I am Adam. And I'm Tom. And together, we are Atomic Business Coaching. Where our stories are your solutions. I love it. This is getting better and better and better. (laughs) It does. It does. It's so awesome. It's such a great line where our stories are your solutions. And it's funny how it came up, right? We were just, we we didn't come up with that. It came out of us. Yes, it did. We were having a conversation one day and you know know what we really do? It's like all of our stories are just solutions to people. And you're like, that's it. That's it. (laughs) (laughs) We have so much fun coming up with this stuff as we prepare for these things. So it's awesome. So speaking of coming up with uh, what we're going to do is uh, Tom and I work with many, many different business owners, uh, people that were from startups uh, and, and are really evolving that, people that moved from corporate into a job or people that had a very, very well-established business and needed to make a transition. So in order to make this a little bit more interesting, what we have done is we've asked all of those clients of ours and and. Some of them are not clients. Some of them are just members of a mastermind that Tom and I are involved with. We have asked them to give us some topics that they would like Tom and I to discuss on our podcast. Um, So hopefully some of these questions are things you've asked yourself or you've been pondering, or if you weren't, we'll make you think about them a bit. And hopefully our stories about them are your solutions. That's the hope. Let's rock and roll, man. Yeah. All right. So uh, we've gotten, let's see, approval to use two of their names, so we won't use all of them, so we'll be careful okay. about that. Um, all right, Tom, so do you have the questions in front of you? I have them in front of me, too. I do. I will pull them up. Let's see. If there's any. If there's anyone you want to start with first, if you want to read the question off. I like the first one that we got, which I don't think we could say who it is from, but common mistakes that new entrepreneurs make. No, that one we can. So that that is uh, Joe Villani okay. from Sturdy Home Inspections. Great guy, young entrepreneur, big hustler. Uh, there we go. Um, so, so yeah, what are some common mistakes that entrepreneurs make? Well, the, the biggest first mistake is calling yourself an entrepreneur when you don't know what that really means, right? What is a real entrepreneur? What is that definition of an entrepreneur? So I think clarifying that and I, I, you know, a lot of people make that first in, impression of themselves as being, oh, I'm an entrepreneur because I started a business. Well, did you start a business or did you start a job for yourself? Right. And entrepreneurs, they invest in other people's businesses. They have their hands in multiple businesses. They, they are building a, a way. So it's really a, a question of identity and how you're going to to look at yourself, right? I, I think that's the thing that people struggle with in the very beginning is they think they have to fill this definition, that they fill this role, but they don't. It's not really what they mean by that. Do you, do you know what I mean by that? Well, not only do I know what you mean, it's kind of what my other business is as a financial planner, right? So, right. what what the actual definition of an entrepreneur is? Someone that starts a business or businesses plural. Mm-hmm. Usually that's the case. It's plural. Um, but what really makes, what really defines an entrepreneur is someone that is taking a larger than normal financial risk. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's, that's truly what entrepreneurs do is they, they decide that I am willing to take on this unreasonable risk that most other people will not take. 
most small business owners are not in that position. Most small business owners are trying to put food on the table. Right. Right. The byproduct is they create a great product or a service and they're able to employ other people and be a really good resource for their community and their clients and their employees. And then they pay themselves some money. There's usually very little risk for the small business owner that they're willing to take. Is there risk in doing it? Absolutely. But they don't want to take much risk. An entrepreneur is the opposite. They're going to they're gonna throw caution to the wind and say, I'm going to take as much risk as possible because the reward is so enormous. So I think that is a good way to start answering that question. One of the common mistakes of new, that new entrepreneurs make is they classify themselves as an entrepreneur. Absolutely. I think that's, that, that's a great point. And then there's this term solopreneur too that we hear all the time. Like what's the difference between a solopreneur and an entrepreneur? And there's that's, more and more solopreneurs, Tom, right now, especially yes. because of COVID. You were going yes. to cut you off. No, no. I want you to answer. Yeah. Yeah. So there's more and more solopreneurs. I call them the, the hindsightpreneurs, right? Hindsight being 2020. And in the year 2020, many of these entrepreneurs created their own business. Okay. I love how you craft that stuff. It's, it's just something <laughs> I've thought about. I categorized them. I put them in a bucket, the hindsight entrepreneurs. And uh, what they have done is they became solopreneurs. A lot of them were, it was just forced upon them. They had no choice and they either lost their job or they couldn't work or they were at home and they did their job and they realized, wow, I could do my eight hour day in four hours. I got four extra hours. Let me go start something else. What a solopreneur really is, is you are everything to the business. Okay. A lot of coaches are solopreneurs. They are not only the coach, they're the marketer, they're the accountant, they are the customer service rep. They do everything. Okay, that's what a solopreneur really is. And it's okay to be a solopreneur as long as you understand where you want to go forward. And you may, most people start as solopreneurs mm -hmm. um, and some stay that way forever. But there's certain capacities that you're going to hit with your time, with your energy, with the money you can generate. Um, and, and that's really the differentiator of a solopreneur. It's, it's me, only me. I'm doing everything. Some of my businesses are that way. I'm a solopreneur in some of my businesses. Right. And I think that the key is, is that, you know, solopreneurs start out doing everything and then they have to identify their who's and who's going to help them. And that's where they become true small business owners, right? That's where they start to employ people. They start to contract with people and they're they're expanding from just themselves, right? And and that's the, that's what I think is so important about the distinction because if you not, don't know what you're talking about when you go into this, it's going to be really hard to form your identity of what the plan is going forward. I think you've identified, labeled that very perfectly. Like you got to know the road forward at some point. And if you call yourself a certain thing in the beginning, the direction, is a, the destination is very different. Than, than where you're starting out from. And that's something that you have to be aware of. Yep, 100%. I mean, that, that's really understanding exactly where you're going. We talk about that over and over and over again, getting your direction, getting your bearings, and knowing the way, the path forward to get there. So thanks, Joe. That's a, it's a great question. There's a million other mistakes that entrepreneurs make, and hopefully we can elaborate on that in future. But let's go to some of the other questions here. Um, so we had actually had two people talk about this one. Um, um, let's see a second. It's so, uh, MMP creations. Yes. So that is Steve DeAngelis. So he is, he, he has an unbelievable production company for super high quality video to use on social media and national advertising campaigns to feature films, just 
some of the most unbelievable work I've ever seen from a relatively unknown company. Uh, outstanding. I mean, Steve, if you're listening, kudos to you and all of your work. It's, uh, it's incredible. So his question, which someone else actually gave us the same one, is all about delegation, right? So can we talk a little bit about delegation? Let's talk about delegation, right? Mm-hmm. We could talk about delegation. I, you know, you and I have talked about time management and, and getting to delegation, right? One of the things that people, I think, struggle with is, especially solopreneurs, when they transition to being business owners or they, you know, they start to hire people is being able to delegate and to recognize that you cannot do all of it yourself. That's the struggle that leads often to delegation. However, the controller saboteur that we talk about, um, that really stops a lot of people from delegating. And people stop delegating because of a lack of trust or they are so hyper-controlling that they don't believe that anybody else do what they do. And that's what, and it's the expectations really that we set for other people in delegating. And it's the, you know, you had said at one of our networking meetings a while back that when you hire someone, you could only really expect them to do 60% of what the job is that, that you would do. You know, you do 100%, but you can only expect them to do 60%. And I think that's part of the expectation in the back of people's minds that they have to have when they go to delegate something to someone. But the delegation comes out of, all right, what is the work that needs to be done? Yeah. What do I absolutely need to do? And what is it that I can actually delegate to somebody else to do? Because I should be using my skills to the highest of my capacity, my license, my scope, whatever you want to want to call it, right? And there's only so high, so much that you're going to be able to do. And then there's other things that really go against that. And those are the things that should be delegated to other people. And if you don't have a skill set to do something, that's when you start to delegate. That's how I've always managed to. I don't know how to, I need a copywriter to help me write. So I delegate that task to a copywriter. So those are the things that like you have to think about. What is it that I can delegate to someone, give to someone else to do that is outside of what I'm maybe capable of doing and not be afraid to use other people's skill sets to improve your overall outcome. I agree. I think I, I come at delegation. There's two phases of delegation. So the first part of delegation is when you are really just beginning, just starting your business, usually the first, you know, one to five-ish years, right? Mm-hmm. And the way you would look at delegation on that point is either what do you not like to do or what are you not good at doing, okay? So for me personally, the, the first time I really delegated, I realized that there was something that I did not like to do anymore. Could I do it? Sure. I absolutely could do it, but it, it just did not bring me any fulfillment. I half-assed it when I went through it. I procrastinated every time to get to it. And I decided that I had to delegate that kind of a task. So you can look at the things that you don't enjoy doing and, and figure out, okay, is there someone that I can delegate this to that will give me back that time or that passion to focus somewhere else? So there's always a cost. When you delegate, you're going to pay something. And you have to understand what your time is worth in order to be able to delegate that. And the company has to be generating enough revenue 
to pay that person while still not going into debt while doing that. Okay. Mm -hmm. The second thing is something that you're not good at. So what I do with all of our clients, especially atomic business coaching, is we do a SWOT analysis on the person. So you can use a SWOT analysis for many different things. For those of you who don't know what a SWOT analysis is, it's you're listing out your strengths and weaknesses, then your opportunities and your threats. Your strengths, strengths and weaknesses are internal. Your opportunities and threats are external. Okay. So when we look at those strengths and weaknesses, we list out those weaknesses and what we try to do usually over a 90 day period of time after we have identified them is we try to turn your weaknesses into strengths. Okay. After 90 days of time, if we realize you cannot turn that weakness into a strength, that means you must now delegate it. Okay. Because you're doing your business and yourself a disservice to try to do something that's not as good as what mm -hmm. the output could be if you delegated that task. So that's, those are the first phases of delegation. The second phase is when now you really have a company, everything is put together. You're really not doing much as the business owner except leading the organization and setting the vision of the future. Okay. And that's all you're doing. Now delegation comes into, you need to get the smartest people in the room. Mm -hmm. You're trying to delegate to someone that is better at it, that could bring more value to the company, bring more enhancements to your clients. Okay. So when you're delegating at that point, when you get to that phase, it's all about improvement. There's a book behind me. I don't know if you're listening, you can't see it, but it's called Good to Great. And it's about consistent and sustainable growth. The people that don't delegate in phase two flatline, meaning they just, they just kind of get complacent. They maintain their business. They're doing fine, but they don't have that consistent and sustainable growth. The only way you can do that, because you're only as smart as you actually are, you can only do as much as you're able to do. When you delegate the people that are smarter in a particular area or have more energy or more passion for something, they're going to launch your business to a whole nother level. So delegation comes from those two phases, in my opinion. Yeah, I love what you said there in, in the second phase, right? It, it's about, you know, getting the smartest people in the room that, you know, and it's a real let, you have to really let go of ego in those, you know, that's, that, that is why that's the difference between conscious leaders and not conscious leaders, right? It, it, it's about being able to let go of the ego in that instance and to say to yourself, I don't want to be the smartest person in the room. I don't, but so many people struggle with letting go of the ego because to expose weakness is seen as very vulnerable. It's seen as, as weak. However, that is what makes you a better leader when you can recognize when, and I love John Maxwell's uh, theories on this, you know, strengths-based leadership, right? And I've always practiced strengths-based leadership in all of my leadership roles is to really surround yourself with the strengths that complement your weaknesses. And, and part of being able to do that, if you can recognize the strength in somebody else that complements your weakness, it is much easier to delegate at that point. So, I love what you said there because it's really, you got to let go of the ego. And that's part of the mindset shift that needs to happen is that I don't have to do all of this. I'm not going to be honest with yourself. Be right. truthful, right? Be, be honest. I, I suck at this thing. I'm not going to be able to do it. So therefore, let me give it to somebody who could do it better than me because in the end, we both win because we succeed in, in that. And the more you can let go of that ego and shift your mindset to that, you're going to be much more successful in, in the delegation process. Yep. And here's something I'll give all of you as a little tactic or a little thought that you can keep 
in the back of your mind when you're considering delegation. Everything that you despise doing, somebody else loves to do. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? There is someone that the thing that you despise, they're like, I can't wait to wake up in the morning and do that. And you think they're batshit crazy. Right. But that's what they love. But they may look at what you love and be like, why does he want to do that stuff? So consider the things that you don't want to do as an opportunity to give it to someone who is seeking that out. Mm-hmm. There is somebody there for that. There is someone there. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and that's the thing that people struggle with, too, is it's like, who am I going to give this to? Well, mm-hmm. who, who would love to do that? That's who you give it to. That's, that's the person that gets it. And you know they're going to do it really well. Yep. Good topic, Mr. DeAngelis from MMP. I really like it. Uh, so let's talk about, let's talk about, let's see. This person did not authorize us to use their name, so we won't. Um, but you want to talk about the, the, oh yeah, let's do this one. So someone asked us what, and it's a long question, so I'll kind of summarize it. So they asked, what is the multiplier effect of leverage and the positive emotional impact of not selling your time to anyone? So it's a dovetail to what we just talked about. Mm-hmm. So they're asking, how do you how do you really leverage that and make it a, a positive impact on not selling your time? And what most people don't understand with business is that in the beginning, you're basically creating a job for yourself. Mm-hmm. Okay. And if you're just selling your time over and over and over again, a lot of what Tom and I do is selling our time. <clears throat> and that that has a, a very limited supply, and you can only do that to a certain extent, which is why we can only take a certain amount of clients, okay, and why we have to charge a certain amount of money to those clients, because that has to have value of it. So when you are just flat out selling your time, usually in the beginning of your business, you have to understand the value of your time. So I think there's two ways to look at the, the multiplying effect or, or how to leverage that and how to make it a positive impact. So if you can duplicate yourself, that's one thing, okay? Mm-hmm. If you can offset that and and give that to someone else like we just talked about, that's another thing. Or the third way, which is a way even atomic business coaching has gone, is you can truly understand your value and demand that you get compensated in whichever way, shape, or form, time, money, energy, back in that in that appropriate scale. Make sense? That makes a ton of sense. And and value is such a struggle for so many people that that are once employees now have created a job for themselves and are transitioning to being business owners, right? There's, there's that need for a redefinition of how you are compensated and you have to focus on the value that you're bringing to people. You have to focus on the impact, right? So value to me is what impact am I making on this person's product, their life, their, whatever, their business, whatever it may be. And that's what, you know, you and I, Adam, we do for our business owners that are our clients. Our goal is to to bring them a, a financial impact on their business and bring incredible value to what we can offer them through our model and through our coaching to be financially successful in their business, but also have all the tools to be able to sustain that over time. It's a matter of you know, and, and this is where, you know, as employees, when you're an employee, you get a salary, you get paid for the time that you are putting into the business. You put in a nine to five schedule and you get compensated for that time. 
what I was talking to a client of ours earlier today, and and they are struggling with putting value, putting their value in their price. And and I said to them, what is the impact that you're going to give them? It's reliability. It's sustainability. It's protection. It's, it, this is an IT person that you know that we're working with, and it, it's someone that is consulting for the first time and offering all of these services. And I said to him, I said, the way you do it is different than the way everybody else does it. And that's what your value proposition needs to be based on is how you're different and how you're bringing a different approach to it. And that's where you become very valuable. You're not exchanging your time for that dollar because anybody can do that. Anybody can say, I'm going to charge you $100 an hour, but they may not bring the same quality. They may not bring the same value. And that's where quality enters value also. You know, if you're doing quality work and you're providing quality service, that changes your value. And a lot of people definitely struggle because we're so used to exchanging time for money. Now we have to exchange value for money. And that's, that's what people need to transition to and shift to. And, and you can transition and shift to that, or you could truly look at, is your business model, does your business model have the ability to not ever have to exchange your time for money? So a business like Tom and I, what we have in Atomic Business Coaching, it's not very easy to do that unless we bring on more Adams and Toms, okay, which that is part of our goal in, in forward years, but that will take a long time. What I think this person who has this question is really disgusting is how do you, what is the emotional impact of no longer selling your time? Okay. And what does that actually do to you? And when you can come to terms with, you don't have to do it all. You can delegate everything. Okay. Then you truly become a business owner and not an employee for the business you own. Oh, is that, that's brilliant. And that's where people get stuck is they always think as the business owner, they have to do, do, do. They're the worker be all the time. And you shouldn't really be that if you want to, if you want to create a business, you can have a service that you offer that generates revenue. But if you truly want to create a business, you have to understand that you have to be a very small part of that puzzle. And that means not selling your time anymore. Okay. You have to be looked at as the decision maker. And the director of the business, directing where the course of action is going forward. You can't really be doing things. That means you no longer sell your time. Mm -hmm. Okay. You are, unfortunately or unfortunately, instead of selling your time, you are now selling other people's time. And that's what employees are. You are buying people's time by giving them a salary or a paycheck or an hourly wage. You are buying their time. Okay. And you can multiply that over and over and over again. If you need a sales team, you can hire 10 salespeople, right? But if you were going to be the salesperson, you can only, you only have so many hours in the day. Okay. So the positive effect the, the emotional impact that comes out of that might actually be bad because mm-hmm. now newer entrepreneurs start to feel this worthlessness mm-hmm. and like, well, I'm really not doing anything in this business. What, what am I here? And they, the ego kicks in and. Yep. Imposter syndrome starts to creep in, in the back door again. And they they all of a sudden are looking at it like, I have to create a new job for myself. Well, what's the ultimate goal in the long run? Is it to create revenue and have impact for the clients that whoever you're working with, the customers that you're serving, or is it for yourself? Right. 
And I and I think it's a, a an important perspective shift that needs to happen if you are seeing it as a negative, if you're seeing it as you're you're worthless, and now you have to create another job so that you can demonstrate to everybody your worthiness. What you have to shift to is is all of the good things that are happening in that, and it really should be bringing you a sense of fulfillment and a sense of achievement and something and a sense of pride even to to be to to think about oh I have these people that work with me and work for me and I'm helping them to reach their potential and that should be the hope that you you know you're putting out there is that you're helping other people to reach their potential you're providing an income for them so that they can pay their bills you're helping them to sustain their life in some way and these are all positive things and because of your ability to delegate to somebody because of your ability to to shift and 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 see opportunity for other people to do well that should give you a sense of pride that should be a huge emotional boost like right. this i don't i am worthy because i am helping all of these people and if it depends on the mindset are you of a service mindset and if you're not then it, it's really hard to see that worthiness in it. It's really hard, especially from an emotional standpoint. And it should bring you joy and it should bring you satisfaction. It really should not bring you defeat and anger and fear. It, it should really bring you all of those positive things because you're doing something positive for other people, especially if you're helping them to reach their potential and you're optimizing that capability in them. And the mindset needs to shift at that moment. When you start really doing that, the mindset has to shift from you are there to serve the clients and the customers to now you are there to serve the business and its employees. Mm -hmm. So as a leader of the organization, your job is no longer about your clients. Mm -hmm. It's not about the service or product you deliver. It's not about increasing the value of, of what you're doing. It's about making sure the business is continually sustainable. It's healthy. It's growing. You have to treat it like a child. Yeah, you have to you have to watch over everything about that, what you put into it, what it consumes, who's involved with it, and then the people who are inside of that company, you need to make sure you nurture them. Okay, so your job shifts. Not about your customer, your client, your product, your service anymore. It's about your employees and the health mm-hmm. of the business. Absolutely, 100%. Well said. Well said, my friend. So we have one more question. We're not authorized to say the name on this one, but it, it comes more into your wheelhouse. So it's the one, uh, if you're reading there, what do you do when your mind, mind, that's, we got our life coach, our mindset champion. Um, so if you want to read that one, take it away. Yeah. So what do you do when your mind starts going dark and you start asking yourself, what the heck am I doing? That's a great question. You know, it, we often... You know, when we are struggling with something, whether it's growth of the business, whether it's employee relationships in the business, whether it's people are letting down and not meeting our expectations, our minds can go dark. We can start to feel as though we are the ones failing the situation. And what we need to do is, is we need to remember that as the, as the shade comes over our mind, right? As it starts to shut down, we have to remember that there's opportunity, right? And the opportunity needs to be you know, what do I learn from this experience? What do I take to change, to improve, to make the situation better and not see it as a failure? And I think one of the things that people struggle with the most when they get to this point is that that they get this overwhelming sense that they're failing and that they're losing opportunity and they're losing out on the situation. And they wake up and they go, why am I doing this? What is the purpose in doing this if I keep failing over and over? 
and my mind, I can't see the direction forward. And that's really where stagnation comes in. They get stuck in this stop, in this spot. They get stuck and they struggle to come out of it. The question, the way you get unstuck, the way that you start to answer, what the heck am I doing is by asking questions about what is it that I'm learning? What is it that's the opportunity in front of me? What is it that that other person needs? What is it that the organization or, or my company needs for it to go to that next level? Starting to remain curious, right? And, and, and asking those questions out of curiosity and recommitting yourself to the learning as opposed to committing yourself to the drudgery and the, and the negativity. That's what's going to start to change your perspective on getting out of your own head and starting to get into what needs to be solved, what needs to be changed. And I think the what are you ha- what the heck are we doing? That that's a great question that we need to ask ourselves on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. I think that's something that we need to ask ourselves every quarter. Are we still going in the same direction that we originally started? What are we doing? And are we doing what we set out to do? And 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 I think when you have to look at it, is that opportunity where the darkness is coming in, where the cloud is hovering over it, like there's going to be a storm. I think you have to really think about that as an opportunity to transition and re-answer what is the right direction forward for us. It's happening for a reason. It's happening for you. It's not happening to you. So don't victimize yourself. Don't don't t- don't take that on. Look at it as what is the opportunity for me because I can change the trajectory of this. And this is my opportunity to change that. This is happening for a very significant reason. So I, I hope that answers that question. But I think it's, it's, it's about just making sure that you see when that cloud appears, like the choice, do you get the umbrella or do you drive away from it, right? right? So go get the umbrella and the storm won't be so bad. And you'll start to see, and you'll maybe look down at the ground because we often look down at the ground when it's raining and we start to see things that we never saw before. And that's the opportunity that we're really being presented with. So that's a great question. It is. I, I look at it from a, a more literal sense as well. And I'm going to read the question again so then I can kind of pontificate on it. Okay. What do you do when your mind starts going dark and you ask your, and you start asking yourself, what the heck am I doing? So what do you do when your mind starts going dark? So let me literally, what do you do, Tom, when the room is dark? Hey, tr- you look for the lights to turn them on. The light on. Why do you put a light on? So that you can see what's going on and where you're going. So everything where you're Tom standing. just said is about getting the perspective. So that's what it really is about is you have to turn the lights on. You have to be very intentionally analyzing what is going on. And you have to look at this. And you also said something about you should be looking at this quarterly. Well, we've talked about this in previous podcasts. I require our clients to take a vacation, a break, time off every 90 days. That is quarterly. Okay. So that is literally every 90 days is quarterly. I do this personally for myself. And what I do is I go on the vacation. I enjoy it. I come back. I plan the next one. And then the last day of that vacation, I revisit what am I doing in the next 90 days? What the heck am I doing in the next 90 days? So as established and and as experienced as I am, I still have to do that every single quarter. I had a a conversation with a business owner last night and we were talking about how often he was like, what am I going to do in my downtime? And I said, you got to write your business plan. He's like, oh, I haven't really done that. And I'm like, 
well, you need to do that. And I'm like, what you really should be doing is revisiting it quarterly. He's like, what? He's like, how often do you do it? I do, I do it annually now. And I said, you have to be revisiting this quarterly because as you're in the beginning stages of your business, it's going to grow and evolve so much that after the 90 days, your business plan will most likely be irrelevant. Mm-hmm. You'll totally. either have taken it in a different direction or it has grown so much that you need to write a whole new plan. And mm-hmm. what I told this gentleman was, in the beginning of, of my career, when I first started building things out, me and I had another partner at that time, Russell, and what he and I did is we built our annual plan. We had a weekly meeting to revisit it. We looked at the numbers. We looked at our goals. We looked at the marketing. And every single week, we would revisit that plan. And we found almost weekly there was something in the plan that needed to change. Perfect. Now, I am not advocating for going off course. Right. What I'm saying is you have to put the lights on. You got to look at what's going on so you know what the heck you're doing there. Yeah. And, and I now have to put glasses on to read everything <laughs> so I can see, see it better because you got to focus. We all do. But we yeah. all do. And look, that's what atomic business coaching is. We are the glasses yes. and the flashlight. That's well, what we that, are. Right. And, that, and that's what our whole process is built on. It's gaining the new perspective on your business. It's looking at your business differently. It's understanding everything that you're doing in your personal life and your professional life and, and really examining all of it so that you have all the tools that you need to move forward and the fresh perspective to be able to accomplish what you're setting out to accomplish. Absolutely. Well said, my friend. Awesome. All right. So those are the questions that we had. I really, I really enjoyed doing this. So any of you who are listening or watching, if you have the capability to ask some questions in the comments, or you can always go to our Instagram page, which is at Atomic Business Coaching. That's at Atomic Business Coaching. You can drop us a DM. If you want to chat there, that'd be great. Otherwise, maybe we can use one of your topics or some of our next podcasts. So we'd rather talk about things you want to hear about instead of things we want to say. Absolutely. That was awesome. It was fun. Yeah, pal. See you next time. See you next time.